Good afternoon, morning, evening, and whatever time it is to all of our listeners. This is the DC Comics News Podcast, episode 85. I am your host, Kelly Gaines, and I am here with my two wonderful partners in crime, Steve J. Ray. Steve, you want to say hello? Hello there. Nice to see you, Steve. Or hear you, I guess. <laughs> it's so and, lovely to be back. But um, you know what happens? Work gets in the way, life gets in the way. But then I'm back with my podcast family. We've missed you. We have truly, truly missed you. And that's, I mean, anyone who's been listening, Steve's been been kind of off for a little bit. But we are more than happy to have him back. And Brad? Hello, everyone. How you doing, Brad? I'm doing pretty good. Good, good. Yep. And that's, I didn't give you a full name, Brad Filicky, our other <laughs> wonderful partner in crime. <laughs> I assume everyone knows Brad. No, it's Brad. <laughs> that's not his full name. It's Brad Fashion Fantastic Filicky, isn't it? <laughs> Brad Fashion See, everyone should know who Brad is. <laughs> uh, you guys are too much. Aw, <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're embarrassing him. <laughs> so we have a, a pretty hefty list of news today. Some good, some bad, but we're starting out with movie news and starting out with what I think is some relatively un- or unsettling, let's say unsettling news. The Batman, which we just saw a really fantastic trailer recently or a teaser trailer for what might be coming out. But they are now back on hiatus because somebody on the crew and I there there's some speculation about who it might be. We might have an answer. We might not. But somebody on the crew has tested positive for COVID. Um, uh, Brad, how how do you feel? Uh, you know, uh, first off, I just hope that everyone is okay. You know, I hope that everybody can get tested, and even if they have it, they get they're asymptomatic or they get through it quickly. So I just hope mainly that I hope everybody you know everybody stays safe, uh, and you know I hope that they can get back, uh, you know, back to filming and, and getting the production underway again um you know and i not just from a fan's perspective but i think the whole crew at this point really kind of wants to get back into it and and keep working so it's it's a shame that it has to shut down again but at the heart of it all just we hope that you know everyone uh everyone is uh is okay steve exactly what you said brad Everyone's concern as fans. Yeah, we want this film. We want it soon, but not at the cost of the health and safety of everybody who's working on it. And if all the rumours are true and it's it's our, our leading man that's actually tested positive, then that's more concerning still because, well, like Kelly said, that trailer. Wow. Any naysayers, anyone who had any doubts of uh, Robert Pattinson making an incredible Batman has probably had to eat their words. So... Everyone working on this film, good health, good luck, best wishes, and uh, fingers crossed for you. So, and for everyone who, who thinks that uh, they, they may well be down with this horrible, horrible virus. What did you think, Kelly? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely better for them to shut down production and make sure that everybody's healthy and safe, especially with something like COVID that seems to come back and draw a lot of energy out of people and really affect different people in different ways. It's just not it's something you have to play it safe with. It's not a good idea to power through and continue production or continue part of production with someone that might have been infected. Now, whether or not it's Robert Pattinson, I, I I hope it isn't. I really hope it isn't. But 
I don't know. I mean, the the rumor mill seems very back and forth on whether or not it's him or just someone on the crew. So, I mean, it, it could be anybody, but if it is Pattinson, I I mean, that's more than likely the person most of the people that work on the film work with the most, I would assume. So Right, yeah. That's that's the whole thing about that. Like if if it was him, then that means they had to test everybody and that's just going to delay it more. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, so that's I mean uh, we'll we'll see how this plays out, but hopefully everybody, you know, makes a full recovery, is safe. Um and yeah, god, that trailer was just wonderful. Actually, I I texted one of my friends who is a huge Batman fan and I was like, "Did you see that trailer?" Assuming he's not a big internet person, so I assumed he hadn't and he was like, "I've watched it 5 times." And I was like, "Okay, yes." So Yeah. It, it just, it looked amazing. So speedy recovery to everybody. And actually our, our next story sort of folds nicely right into this one because they might be able to continue part of production, but only on sets and um, prop work that wouldn't have been involved with the direct cast. Uh, do you, I mean, do you guys think that's a good idea, Brad? Yeah, I do, because I think that they they're really aiming to hit that release date next October. And uh, I, I think that they are going to try to do whatever they can to make that. And if that means being able to do what work they can during the quarantine, then that's good. And by judging, you know, like we, we all love that trailer and judging by that trailer, they have been able to get a lot of work done um, in that time because it, it just seems like there was a lot of the story there in that trailer. So. I, I don't think we would have gotten that trailer looking the way it did if they hadn't worked during the whole quarantine that's been going on this year. So kudos for them to getting done what they can and, and, and working while they can and how they can. So, um, yeah, I, I think that they should and would want to want to continue. Uh, Steve? Yeah. Absolutely. Um, it, it's great to see, obviously, being here in the UK, we look closer to where the action is actually happening and like you say a lot of the stunts a lot of the set pieces have been progressing safely um, with people observing social distancing and obviously with special effects and CGI the way it is now they can actually film a lot of the scenes even with the main cast without even having them be together Um, whether that be a little bit jarring like it was in a couple of scenes where it was a bit obvious in the theatrical release of Justice League will remain to be seen. But as we said before, as long as everybody's safe, that's a lot more important. And what we did get to see in that teaser trailer was mind-blowing. As as, as the resident bat nerd of the team, um, I can say that I've always been optimistically sceptical, as Kelly might put it, when it comes to this movie always overjoyed with matt reeves um because i'm a huge fan of his work but like we've all mentioned there was skepticism when michael keaton was cast there was skepticism when ben affleck was cast and a lot of people went crazy when they heard the name robert pattinson because of those horrible twilight movies but again we're gonna watch this or i am at least with an open mind and that trailer has helped put a ton of doubts to rest. So, yeah, bring it on, bring it on, as long as everybody is safe, hale and hearty. What about you, Kelly? Yeah, absolutely. It's 
I, I think, especially considering how many people work on a film this size, there's no way that everybody is constantly interacting with each other. So if they can keep part of production going while the rest of it's shut down for safety, then I absolutely, I think it's a good idea. Um, and yeah, I mean, th this movie, it, or at least what they've shown us so far, really got people excited. So I hope they can still hit that October date. Um, you know, it's, it's, I think still a little, I, I was kind of shocked to find out that Tenet's in theaters, because I don't think I've heard anything in my area, at least about theaters opening. Um, yeah, New Jersey open. Oh yeah, I mentioned that. <laughs> um, in fact, I'm going to go and see Tenet tomorrow. So uh, I'll let you guys know how it goes. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I can't wait to go back to a movie theater. <laughs> Yeah, that's, I, I was thinking that the other day. I'm like, I, I don't want to go anywhere fancy. I just want to sit in a nice theater and watch something. I, I've officially exhausted all of my resources at home. I can't build any more forts. <laughs> but, you know, I, I eventually. So our, our next bit of movie news is also, or not also a little bit exciting, but is very exciting. Wonder Woman 1984 is going to possibly have a 150-minute runtime. Uh, which puts it just a slight little bit longer than the first Wonder Woman movie. Um, Brad, what'd you think? Anything shorter and I'd feel cheated, I think. <laughs> um, yeah, I think this is like a good um, a good runtime for an epic movie like this. And it, it like the story mentioned, it's it's going to give a little breathing room so we can really kind of delve into both Maxwell Lord and, and the cheetah. So it's always fun to have good villains. So hopefully uh, they can get fleshed out a lot. And with that 150 minute runtime, I think that that'll be um, good for that. And a lot of time to explain exactly what's going on with Steve Trevor. So yeah, I think uh, I'm excited about that. Steve. Yeah. Um, there, there is one school of thought that says, if you can't tell the story you want to tell in 90 minutes, then you failed. I, I personally disagree with that. because I think why restrict yourself to that? Why not flesh it out and make the film what you want it to be? So you can flesh out those characters, tell the story you want to tell without compromising and cutting and rushing. Because no one tells a writer how long their book should be, do they? Um, case in point, like the Harry Potter books, a couple of them are a couple of hundred pages long, a couple of them are like complete and utter pieces of furniture, and all of them are brilliant, so let the artists be the artists, let the creators create, let the film be what it needs to be to tell the story it's set out to tell, so yeah, 150 minutes is great, I mean, being an, a slightly advanced years compared to some of my co-hosts on this show, uh, a three-hour movie is sometimes pushing it. But uh, 150 minutes, yeah, I can dig that. I like that a lot. So if it's in the same league as the original Wonder Woman movie, I'm sold anyway. And with what we've seen from the Fandome trailer, I'm even more in. So, yeah, 150 minutes, I like that. I can dig that. What did you think, Kelly? Yeah, I, I have to echo you guys. I think it's a good runtime. Shorter would, not I mean, with Patty Jenkins, I, I kind of trust her storytelling. I trust her to, to make the movie exactly as long as it needs to be. And honestly, with how off I was about what DC fandom was going to be like when I saw the runtimes for, uh, you know, five and ten minute panels, I'm not a very good judge of what runtime is going to do to the content. So I, I think, yeah, I, I think this sounds like a perfectly reasonable runtime. 
And that that new trailer was gorgeous. I am so excited to see Cheetah on screen. Uh, Kristen Wiig just looks absolutely fabulous. And the mystery of Steve Trevor, because he's back, but clearly he's not back back. Or maybe he is back back, but there's I, I feel like there's some sinister strings being pulled in there somewhere. So we'll see. But yeah, I, this sounds like a great runtime. I don't think I could be any more excited for this movie. I'm actually, or for the past week or so, I've been lamenting that we've had to wait so long to see it. But at least, you know, again, like we were saying, it's safety first. And if we can have people safely going to see Wonder Woman in theaters, then that should absolutely be the goal. So moving into our next bit of movie news, we have a positive and negative together. Um, the producer of the Black Adam movie is excited to get started on the project again. A lot of really, you know, kind of fun ideas bouncing around with the JSA and Hawkman. However, uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, the lead actor for the film, has actually recently said that he and his entire family tested positive for COVID. Um, so what do you guys think, Brad? Well, once again, first and foremost, I hope that uh, they all have a speedy recovery, and I hope that everyone in his family does stay safe and asymptomatic, and and uh, they can uh, they can get on and be healthy. Uh, you know, and I just it, it seemed really like you know when they first started talking about the JSA in this movie, uh, I wasn't sure how big of a role they would play. It seemed like it could be anything from kind of cameos or a bigger role. And judging from this, it's going to be a bigger role. So that's kind of exciting. And these days, if you are a Justice Society fan, uh, you must be in heaven. There's so much good Justice Society stuff going on right now. So, okay. And if you're not a fan, become a fan because now's the time to jump on that bandwagon. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see you know, how they're going to use Hawkman because he seems to be very excited about that. So, yeah, I'm I'm intrigued about what exactly is going to happen with the JSA in this movie. And I'm happy that it seems like they're going to be having a bigger role. Uh, Steve? The Rock isn't afraid of COVID. COVID's afraid of The Rock. Um, <laughs> at the end of the day, I, I just know that this man is going to fight this off. He's going to be there, be strong for his family, and they're all going to recover. That's all I'm going to say about that. I have no fears. He's going to Shazam the beep out of that virus i don't care he's the rock he's one of my all-time heroes and i know he's going to be fine i refuse to believe otherwise but um brad oh i told you before how much i love you brother damn you're <laughs> so right justice society sign me the hell up between this news the fact that they are going to have a much bigger role and and what we're seeing in star girl um, with their reintroduction in Doomsday Clock, the fact that they're going to be everywhere just makes my aging fanboy heart beat a little bit faster. Um, so speedy recovery, uh, Mr. Johnson, and to all your family. Um, but uh, we need your Black Adam movie. Get well and show that virus what the rock is cooking. That's all I have to say about that. Kelly. I, I totally agree. I mean, I it's shocking to hear that The Rock has COVID, but I am fully, fully confident that he will get better. I mean, he is The Rock. He is a human mountain. There is absolutely no way that he's not going to and oh, already yeah. seems to be this virus, right? I mean, he's 
he's just a ball of sunshine. There is absolutely no way. <laughs> and I am really excited for this movie. I think the fandom trailer, the fandom teaser, I, wow. I, it got me more excited, I would say. Because it's not that this is lower down on my list, but compared to something like Batman or Wonder Woman, um, you know, I'm not as familiar with the JSA. But again, from what, like you guys were saying, from watching Stargirl and just from the little bit I know about them already, this has gotten me really, really excited. Um, and on top of that, this is kind of exactly what a lot of fans have been talking about as far as DC and their movies, that they've been using Batman and Superman over and over and over again. And they have so many really interesting characters that don't get to see a lot of screen time. Um, so to see the JSA, if if they do really kind of pull out in a big way and and have a bigger role in this film, then that opens up a whole new door, which I think we've said on the show before, that this gives us room to use some of those characters that we don't see a lot and to see them on screen, have them have a bigger role in pop culture as a whole. Um, all around, that could only be good for DC. So speedy recovery to The Rock, his family. Uh, hopefully everyone around them is safe and everyone with the production is safe because we need this movie 100%. So our next bit of movie news is about Ray Fisher. Um, we spoke a while ago about some of the accusations that he had regarding Joss Whedon and um, what Whedon's takeover of the Justice League film, that he believed there was some misconduct on set, that Whedon wasn't treating people properly, but the accusation seemed a little bit vague. Um, Warner Brothers did go ahead and hire a private investigator and look into it deeper, but Fisher is apparently not cooperating with the investigation. Um, Brad, what did you think? I mean, I don't know what to think. Um, you know, it's like, what is going on? Uh, you know, he he wants a private investigator, then won't meet with them. He, uh, you know, accused Joss Whedon of being abusive, but then says in a tweet he's not going to throw Joss Whedon under the bus. So I... I just don't know what's going on. So in, in a lot of ways, I just don't know what to think. I think we need um, some clarification about what is going on. And it's probably maybe uh, too early in the investigation or too caught up in legal entanglements for the public to know exactly what's happening at this point. But, um, yeah, it's just it, it's just hard to say. Uh, I almost don't know enough, and there's too. It's almost like there's too much conflicting info going around. Uh, Steve, it's crazy, isn't it, in this day and age that this kind of thing is happening? And what I will say is, I've looked a little bit more in depth into this because this kind of thing does fascinate me, and I do always stand up for people who are being bullied or have been bullied, and then who turn around and stand up against those bullies and the fact that it's a warner hired private investigator come on they're paying this guy's wages he's gonna have warner's best interests at heart and if you're bullied and you stand up and the bullies themselves or the alleged bullies in this case nothing's been proved we don't know but the fact that jeff johns has remained silent that joss whedon has remained silent to me speaks volumes if you're innocent stand up for yourself speak up and say listen this is a misunderstanding or whatever else it is but the fact that they've all kept quiet and warner brothers are saying oh um ray fish is lying this that and the other well mm, 
that doesn't ring true to me. It does not ring true to me at all. And that's where I have to side on the person who's making the accusations, because I honestly can't believe that there's no smoke without fire. So on this in this aspect alone, I have to side with Ray Fisher at the moment. But hey, um, I hope it all goes away. I hope it blows over. I hope that the Snyder Cut's a huge success. It leads to a possible cyborg movie to tie in with the Flash movie because that could be the way forward. But it's just horrible that these things are happening. Why are people abusing their power and taking advantage of their talent? That That's the thing I can't abide. Um, the same with the comic book writers who we've boycotted many titles of because of the way that they've abused their power with some of their female um, colleagues. So if you've been bullied, I'm proud of you for standing up against it. And if you're the bully, um, you deserve what you get. If you're not the bully, then hey, clear your name. Speak up. Because until you do, everyone's going to be against you, really. So it's tricky and it's horrible. What about you, Kelly? What did you make of it? Yeah, tricky and horrible just about sums it up. Um, I I was kind of surprised by this because I watched the Ray Fisher panel for Justice Con, and it, he was so passionate not only about the character Cyborg, but his excitement with the Snyder Cut, um, you know, how much he was looking forward to continuing to be a part of the universe. And the vibe that I got from, and, and I wish I had gotten to rewatch this before we started today because it's, I, it was a, it's been a couple weeks since I saw it, um, but it seemed like he was very concerned about the fact that Cyborg is one of the most visible characters of color in the DC universe, and he didn't feel that the movie was doing Cyborg justice. He didn't feel that any of the plans that he had originally talked about with Snyder were being followed through on. And it kind of seemed like he was getting the cold shoulder on set when he was trying to revamp these ideas and say, but OK, what about this that we were going to do? Um, and it's he didn't really get into the abuse allegations. And I, I mean, he comes across as as very genuine. I, I don't see him as somebody who would just maliciously claim something. Um, and I mean, it did say that he told brothers to hire a private investigator but then you know you have to wonder well who is the investigator that they brought in because we were looking at this from the outside we don't know if you know maybe when stuff happens like this on set there are certain investigators that they just tend to hire we have no idea um so i mean yeah i guess i i'm with steve right now that i would fall on the side of i find more credibility in Ray Fisher's outrage than I do in Warner Brothers kind of making a a blanket statement when none of the people accused have said anything. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Did you guys have any any last thoughts on this one? Just that that God bless Ray Fisher for still being enthusiastic and still wanting to be cyborg and still fighting for the character and for the character to have more of more of a representation in the, in the Justice League and in the DC EU going forward. So, you know, despite what abuse he may have suffered, he's still fighting for the character and still wanting to be involved. So that's that's gives me hope because I do I, I I would like to see him continue on in, in the role. Yeah, absolutely. He, he I mean, he is fantastic, and I think that's one of the things DC has really has going for them is that. Uh, you know, between Gal Gadot, Jason Momoa, um, 
Ray Fisher, like all of the actors who are involved in these movies are so enthusiastic about their role. And it, I mean, we did have Ruby Rose walk off of her role, but but yeah, I mean, they, they have respect for the characters. So it does, I feel disheartened because I just don't know what it's like to fight the studio that you're also trying to negotiate with. So I guess we'll just have to see how this one plays out. But it's, it's I, weird. Yeah, it really yeah. Is. I mean, well, I've got to say that, again, like you said, Brad, well done for him for still being so positive and, and wanting to carry on in the role because whatever else might be said about the, the cut of Justice League we got, for me, his performance is one of the strongest things in the movie and, and he was consistent and great throughout from from his humour to his depth to his um, emotion, it, emotional work in the film. He, he was terrific and I absolutely agree with you, Brad. I want to see more of him in the role. I recently recorded a podcast focusing on Cyborg and he's a big part of it. He really is. The fact that the cool, understated little booyah he gave after defeating Steppenwolf in the movie is one of my favourite seconds of the whole film. It's fantastic. So um, bravo to him for standing up against bullying and bravo to him for still wanting to pursue this. So, yeah, what, what you both said. Love you both. Awesome. Absolutely. So that ends our movie news. Bit of a mixed bag as far as positive and negatives, but we are keeping hopeful here. And let's move right into our TV and streaming news. And we're starting off with now that Arrowverse is, or Arrow is finished, Arrowverse is also finished. They're going to be changing the title to the CW-verse. Brad, what did you think? I think this makes sense now that Arrow is done as a show. Uh, You know, Arrow, obviously they called it Arrowverse because it was the first show and everything. And it was kind of like the anchor that people kind of related all those shows around it. But now that that's off the table uh and we have new shows coming uh you know with star girl and superman and lois things like that so i think that name change does make sense and you know especially now in relation to the whole multiverse kind of branding that dc is using i think that um the time had come for a new name so yeah yeah cw verse it is i've got no problem with it steve for once i must disagree i hate it I cannot stand it. Um, well, for many reasons, and the article touches a few. They also, with the Crisis on Infinite Earth crossover, they also included snippets of Titans and Swamp Thing and Lucifer that aren't part of the CW, never have been and possibly never will be. So if they're going to call it anything, it should be the DC TV universe, DC TVU or something like that. Um, Arrowverse was perfect. It was short. It was simple. And many people have also called it the Balantiverse which does cover almost everything because Balanti does have his finger in every pie. He's a producer or executive producer, even on the DC Universe shows, particularly uh, Stargirl, which obviously is now moving to CW anyway. But does this mean that CW is going to be taking them all over? Will it be airing stuff like Lucifer once uh, Netflix has finished airing it? Um, I don't know. I mean, they are a Warner Brothers owned network, but um, I, I don't like CWverse. I really don't. See, now, correct me if I'm wrong. So I would be more in line to agree with you, Steve, on not liking it. I thought the whole my understanding was that the whole concept was that with the crisis 
on Infinite Earths, what happened was it's one planet for all this or one universe for the CW shows, one Earth. So that means Supergirl, I would assume Black Lightning and Flash and all that. But the like the Titans and Swamp thing, that's still their own separate. Like separate universes, if you will. That's so that's why I didn't mind it so much. But if that was all supposed to be in the same universe, then, yeah, I, I wouldn't like the name so much either. It would need to be expanded. Yeah, because at the end, when they all think it's one world because they're back on it, all the ones who are CB, CW shows are in one universe. But we know for a fact Stargirl isn't. Um, and also, when we see that there are still multiple Earths out there, one of them has a Brandon Routh Superman, which we know, again, isn't that CW universe. And Brandon Routh's leaving um, Legends of Tomorrow. So that's why I'm still not... <sighs> that keen on it I, I would stick with Balantiverse if that, they're going to do that because that's another title that's gone around but I mean I, I do see that why people like it but personally I, I just don't I, I'm not with that and out of respect to Arrow um, what was wrong with Arrowverse you know yeah. if it's not broke <laughs> why fix it and <laughs> a lot of his characters are still going to have their own appearances we're still going to see Black Canary we're still going to see White Canary in, in Sarah Lance in legends so oh, i don't know i just don't like it <laughs> I'm, just, and, and, I'm just gonna i'm just gonna be a matt lloyd in this uh, respect so. <laughs> and and real quick um i won't get too far off the subject here but i find it interesting that um they are going to broadcast swamp thing on tv here in america yes. in october exactly. and that kind of and, and that kind of came out of nowhere and surprised me since it's already been canceled on uh, the DC Universe app. So does that mean where we might still see a second season on so. network TV? So that would be interesting. So anyway, I, I, I just forgotten to mention that on the, but you brought that up in my mind. So uh, anyway, yes. please, 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 please. <laughs> Cause that, that series deserves more really does. It does. Yeah. I, I agree to an extent with both of you in different ways on this. On one hand, I do see why they want to end calling it Arrowverse, um, especially with things shifting as much as they are. Maybe it'll just make it easier for fans to come in to, to the newer shows if they don't feel like they have to watch, uh, you know, watch Arrow to get into a new show. Um, I, I guess that does make sense. Although I disagree with calling it the CW-verse, because like you guys were saying, there's a lot of shows jumping around right now. We have Shows going from DC Universe to network television, shows going from DC Universe to HBO Max. Um, and I, I think attaching a, a specific distribution to a show universe is kind of a, a, a wonky idea right now because we don't really have any way of knowing if this universe is actually going to stay on the CW or if it's going to go completely to HBO. Like, we don't know what's going on. Um, so I think it is a little crazy to not tie the new name to something in the DC universe and instead tie it to a network. Um, yeah, and I, with Swamp Thing, I really hope we get more Swamp Thing. I I, I don't want to say that I'm not optimistic because I am optimistic, but it, the buzz around it died so quickly. And I'm really hoping we can kind of revamp the Save Swamp Thing because at this point, it, it was one of the best shows on DC Universe. And I'm so depressed to see DC Universe kind of losing a lot of its content. At least a lot of the movies have moved over to HBO Max. Um, it just seems like there's 
less on there right now than there has been previously. So, you know, it, it is what it is, but I, I don't think they should tie the CD, the CW to it now. And moving into our next story, uh, Pennyworth season two is still shut down for COVID. So we haven't seen a lot of progress with that season. Brad, what do you think? Oh, man. Yeah, at least I got two episodes in the bag. So but it is probably the sad thing is, is that it's it's probably going to be a while before we see the second season of this uh, debut. And the thing that kind of frustrates me about that is it, it, it's out of sight, out of mind. If people haven't seen the show in a while and there's not really talk about it when it comes back, it's, it's gonna, it takes that much more time to build up that excitement again. So that kind of bumps me out. But, um, you know. But once again, you know, people have to be safe. So, you know, it had to happen. But, you know, I just hope it doesn't hurt the show in the long run. Uh, Steve? Exactly that. Absolutely. And we've seen it with all those horrible um, comic book news items we used to report on where a title would get pushed back and back and back and back. And then people just lost interest. And now that title we know for a fact is being cancelled. But as you said, two episodes in the bag is better than none. They are going to carry on production. And this show, again, I, I you know, I was there when it was announced. I thought, an Alfred show? Really? Is that where you're going? I watched season one, was blown away. And when I met Bruno Heller, the lead writer, the showrunner, and when I met the three main cast members at a Comic-Con in London at the end of last year and interviewed them for Dark Knight News, um, their enthusiasm and their love for these characters and the universe they're creating was just brilliant and when they announced that they were starting filming again and they recorded in january february of this year and then obviously march came around and killed everything I mean, this this virus is 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 killing as many businesses productions restaurants retailers and and jobs as it is human beings it's it's a horrible horrible thing but um yeah i again it's the kind of people we are. I'm going to stay positive. Like you said, Brad, they've got two episodes done in the can and ready. Another eight. If it's later, better than not at all. So I'm going to keep positive. And if it's half as good as season one, I'm going to be watching every single episode glued to my seat. So I cannot wait. What did you make of it all, Kelly? Yeah, I I mean, let's, let's look at the positive that they do have two episodes. And... Yeah, buzz does die down when shows sort of stop production like this. But at the same time, everything has stopped production or is restarting production. There's been a, a glitch in every single show's schedule. Um, and considering I, I personally haven't seen Pennyworth, but considering that people seem to have liked it, I don't think it'll be a huge issue for them to come back a little bit later on. I just hope that it's not, like you were saying, one of those refreshing, oh, two more months, three more months five more months because at some point and especially with a live action tv show i mean at least with a book you're still drawing the same characters the same way but you know in a show there are changes in actors lives there are changes that you know visually would happen that if if something gets really really pushed back might be an issue um i mean we we saw them have to figure out superman's mustache in justice league so <laughs> you know it, it's just one of those things but Hopefully, if anything, it's better that they're taking a break, you know, being diligent about the virus and coming back stronger for it. So I I have no big issue with it. And actually, oddly enough, 
most of the rest of our stories are about shows coming back from their COVID lockdown, including Lucifer season five. Brad, what do you think? Uh, yeah, this is good to see that it's that it is back on track. Uh, you know, the popularity that this show has on Netflix is just uh, so cool to me because when it was on Fox, I was thinking, why aren't why aren't more people watching this? Uh, as as far as kind of almost procedural show goes, it was one of the better ones out there. So, you know, I'm glad that once again, they're not going to lose that momentum that they can get the second half of the fifth season out there. And it's kind of smart that they mentioned that they're going to roll it right into season six so they can keep that speed up. So we won't have to wait too long for season six. So I was just glad to see people back to work and, and a, a new normal kind of starting to establish itself. Uh, Steve. Hey, hey, well said, Brad. Completely agree. Um, and having just binged, all three of us in the household watched all eight episodes that have dropped of the new season, literally in the space of, of a day and a half. And it is fantastic. Um, Tywin is taking on two roles and proving again what a fantastic actor he is. And just when you think you've got this show figured out, they throw a spanner like that in the works, and it's it's just so well done. Um, I'll take all the Lucifer I can get. We know it's getting another season after this one. Again, dropping eight episodes in one hit was genius because we could get exactly what we wanted, and that cliffhanger, the way they've left it with a surprise introduction of a character I never believed we'd ever see and I'm not going to say who, watch this show, people, watch the show, um, has me guaranteed sitting in front of my TV remote at the ready when the show comes back. So brilliant. Absolutely. Can't wait. Kelly, what do you make of it? Yeah, the, this does sound really, really positive considering a lot of the other news we've gotten. Um, and Lucifer is just one of those shows that has such striking momentum i mean it's they're canceled and they're back and then i think the most recent thing i've heard is that they're saying season six is the last season and they're like we swear this is it we're done after six but i i like a show that has to clarify like okay we promise we're going to be done but they have so much momentum that they can keep going um you know that it's not that it gets canceled unexpectedly and fizzles out but they've managed to just come back to life over and over again um yeah, this this is good news, and it's such a popular show. At least it kind of keeps eyes on a variation of the comic book universe, and it keeps fans interested in coming back. So this is absolutely wonderful news. And our next story, there is another show that's going to begin, begin production again soon, Batwoman Season 2. Um, we did lose Ruby Rose recently, uh, and I believe I'm going to pronounce her name wrong, but... Uh, Avicia Leslie, I might have actually said that right, is going to be the new Batwoman, a uh, character totally new named Ryan Wilder. What did you guys think? Are you excited? Uh, you know, I know we, we've talked about this before, and, and I was more keen on this idea than Steve was. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, it's mentioned in the history of the character was that she was a, a drug runner in her previous days, and she's trying to kind of, you know, make amends and she's living in in a van with her plant and it seems like there's a lot of backstory there that they can mine for some good storytelling but i i think the big sell to me is going to be how they kind of 
intertwine it with the first season, what's going to carry over, in what ways, what impact did the first Batwoman have on this new Batwoman kind of thing. So, you know, so we'll see. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I mean, so far I, I'm, I'm optimistic. Uh, Steve? I'm more optimistic than I was. And that's mainly because of the video that comes with this, um, with this news. The fact that we're still going to have um, the characters from season one, Cameron Johnson and Nicole Kang are returning as Luke Fox and, and as Mary. Um, so that instills a lot of hope in me because if you've read any of my reviews for season one, those two guys were some of the highlights. I think they were absolutely fantastic. Um, if they can keep them in and have the same kind of relationship or possibly a heightened relationship with a brand new Batwoman taking over from the woman they've got to trust, know and love in season one, then I'm a little bit more invested because I'm not going to lie, with the loss of Kate Kane, who I adore, I was seriously considering not even watching um, season two of Batwoman. I- I'm not going to lie, I- I'll admit it. But knowing that these two are on the show, that they are going to continue, hopefully, with the Hush storyline and the fact that there's a fake fake Bruce Wayne in town, I'm actually more likely to watch it now. So uh, where I was completely against it, now there's a little glimmer of hope for me because two of my favourite cast members are definitely coming back. They're not starting completely from scratch with a new cast. Like you said, Brad, I want to know how they're going to tie it in with what came before. So, yeah, I'm a little bit more positive. And uh, that's a rare thing for a grumpy old man, Kelly. I, I'm i positive, too, only on the grounds that, uh, again, this seems to be a really well thought out story. Um, and it is great that other cast members are coming back. Um, yeah, I wasn't optimistic about this initially because I've been through, if you want to call it TV binge tragedies, where a show that you love loses its cast and brings in a new one um i think it was it was once upon a time i used to watch and they had the main character and a couple of the other main characters all left the show at the same time and they came back with a new cast and it did not work um so when i first heard that yeah it's i (laughs) I, honestly i've i made it through three episodes of the final season so i was like this just I don't know what I'm looking at anymore. Yeah. And but I I really do have faith in this show. Um, you know, they're, they're keeping that tie in. And it does seem, uh, part of it is the storytelling, that you have to be able to convince people that this is the new Batwoman, this is the character you should be focused on. And you have to make them want that more than they want the predecessor. Um, Once Upon a Time didn't figure it out, but I think Batwoman might. So I'm definitely going to check this out. If nothing, just for my own personal writing study of what does and does not work or just does not work and does not work when you're revamping a universe with a new lead. Um, Yeah, so I I mean, best of luck to them. I'm really excited to see it. And again, it's great to hear that some things are coming back into production after everything. So our last TV and streaming bit of news, James Gunn is pushing fans to root for Harley Quinn season three because it has not yet been renewed. What do you think, Brad? Thank you, James Gunn, for trying to get the show renewed. Do whatever you can. And it's 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 good to see the support from, you know, these directors and kind of influencers. You know, when they 
when they first moved it over to DC Universe, I kind of thought, well, it's a foregone conclusion. If you know, if it hadn't been so successful, they never would have transferred it over. But now it seems to be like I spoke too soon, and that might just have been a test. Like, let's move it over and see how audiences react to it. See how many people we can pick up or how many viewers we can pick up watching it and see what happens. And it looks like it's still in a waiting pattern for them to figure out if that was a successful transfer or not. But from my view, from what I can see, people's reaction has been great to the show and it's only been picking up. There seem to be more and more people talking about it and the reputation keeps getting better. So I think that, it will be renewed. It's just a matter of when. Uh, Steve? Just when I didn't think I could love James Gunn any more than I already did, he comes up with stuff like this. It's beautiful, Brad. You're so right to see someone, a big name like this guy, stand up for an animated TV show. I mean, it's no secret we all love the Harley Quinn animated series. I mean, the fact that this very network has a show dedicated to it so oh thank you james gunn for standing up for the little guy and proving how great a piece of art it is it's wacky it's irreverent it's rude it's vulgar it's violent but it's hilarious it's deep i mean the amount of we start off some of the episodes recording about harley quinn um just laughing and squaring but then we look at the character work and the way it's written and we get really, really deep. And, and we see it that this is, as crazy as it is, a brilliant piece of television, one of the finest and up there amongst the greatest animated series of all time. So, James Gunn, you've noticed that and you're one of the best movies makers out there. So if you can see great storytelling and you want to back it, then your voice alone, I think, will help. Um, get that happening making season three a reality and i think that i speak to for my two colleagues on the show and two colleagues who aren't on the show today that we want that to happen too am i right kelly am i absolutely oh my god i i actually was thinking yesterday that there needs to be more animated dc shows that are that funny because I, I think i've rewatched the entirety of harley quinn four or five times now um it's it's just a great show to binge watch it's a great show to it like it's just perfect it's so well done um and seriously bless james gunn for coming out and fighting for it before fans i think even really knew that there was anything to fight for um i i had assumed i think pretty much like everyone else did that it was just going to be on hbo max and it was going to be fine i didn't think there was any chance that it wouldn't get renewed and this doesn't necessarily mean that it won't, but I guess there is a portion of, of fans that would really enjoy this show that don't have access to it, either because they didn't have DC Universe or maybe don't have HBO Max yet. Um, and oddly enough, one of my, I guess, ideas for that, and it's something I never say, but there need to be more Harley Quinn animated show memes. Because it's there's so many funny lines and funny little little one second things that happen that I want to send to my friends to get them to watch it, and I can't find it anywhere. And it's like, well, I'm not going to go back and screenshot the sh and well, that's too much. So I mean, there just 
there needs to be a better way to show people some of what goes on in the show. And even rewatching an episode this past week um, where Ivy meets Kite Man's parents, I didn't realize Jessica Walter from Archer and Arrested Development is Kite Man's mom. And what made me notice it is after like my third or fourth time watching this show, she's dressed exactly like Mallory Archer in the show. It's I don't know if it was a, a mindful Whoa. homage. <laughs> she's wearing the same exact pearls, shirt, little cardigan sweater, same haircut, same voice. And there was just a moment where I was like, oh, my God, that's Jessica Walter. And she's granny goodness. Like this show is just pure gold. I it would be the worst, not the worst thing to ever happen, but it would be probably one of the worst things to happen to an animated show if the show didn't get to come back. Because I think it has so much more to give. Um yeah, I, I don't know, guys. I, I don't know, but I, I don't know what sort of online funeral we'll have to have for it if it doesn't do well. So we'll see. We'll see. Can I just say one thing? Yes. Harley Quinn is the only DC Universe show to make it over to the UK to a UK national network not to cable or satellite or anything like that or subscription service to uk tv network the only one even titans and doom patrol have gone to netflix or amazon prime over here harley quinn's gone to e4 which is a national channel available on freeview and every tv service in the uk no subscriptions no satellite dish no cable connection so that to me is, is an extremely positive sign. So I'm going to keep every single part of my body that I can cross crossed. <laughs> mm. I'm going to join in your hopefulness because uh, it it would be a travesty if we were to lose Harley Quinn now. I mean, it's uh, how much fun we we had so much fun talking about this show that we made another podcast to talk about it more. Like <laughs> that's mm. I, that speaks volumes for the show. So that wraps up our TV and movie news. And we're going to take a quick ad break, pay some bills, and we will be right back with comic book news. This is Seth Singleton from DC Comics News, here to tell you about the Spinner Rack. Each and every week, DC Comics publishes so many great books, it can be hard to decide where to invest your time and money. And that's where the Spinner Rack comes in. The Spinner Rack is my honest attempt to rate, review, score the top five books from DC Comics each and every week. How can you listen? It's easy. All you have to do is go to your favorite platform, subscribe to DC Comics News Podcasts, and wait for the new episode to load up. Join me each and every week as I sift through the best from DC Comics and pick my top five books. Can't wait to share them with you and to hear your scores when you share them with us right here on the DC Comics News Podcast. First, there was the DC Comics News Podcast. Then came the Spinner Rack. And now, the third show brought to you by the guys that brought you all that other stuff I just mentioned. I am the Knight. A story about the stories. A show celebrating Batman, the animated series. Week by week, episode by episode. 
just when you thought it was safe to put on a pair of headphones. I am the night. Hello listeners, this is Tony Farina from DC Comics News and an occasional guest on Comics in Motion. I'm pleased to announce a new show called Indie Comics Spotlight. Each week, my guests and I will be taking a deep dive into a current title or a classic graphic novel from a publisher other than the big two. Consider this show the best of the rest. My hope is that we'll bring new readers to independent comics and give old readers a chance to share their thoughts. Join me each week in the Comics in Motion feed in your favorite podcast catcher. Why, hello there. I'm Seth Singleton, and I'm here to tell you about Mad Pup, a Harley Quinn cast. Three, two, one. Harley Quinn? Harley Quinn? What have we learned from this crazy show? Making Bat Shark repellent relevant since 1966. Oh, look, Ogre. And we've gone completely off the rails. I hear the bat signal. Shut up and bat them, nuts. I definitely do not in need of an adult-sized nemesis. Humans make good fertilizer. You can't f with Lois Lane. For fuck's sake. I'm a damn good cop. A lot of lasers. Mmm. Educational and informative. The DC Comics News Podcast Network presents Mad Love, the Harley Quinn cast. <laughs> Back to you, Seth. So, tell us your thoughts. We'd love to hear from everyone out there. Or not. That's really up to all of you. Fuckers. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the DC Comics News Podcast, episode 85. I'm your host, Kelly Gaines, here with my wonderful co-hosts, Brad Philippi and Steve J. Ray. And we are about to talk comics. Hello, hello, guys. This is the best part of the day. Um... <laughs> And we have a really, really fun book to start out with. Dark Knight's Death Metal, Trinity Crisis, number one. We've just gotten a preview for a, I believe, 48-page one-shot, and it's going to be a death metal tie-in. Brad, what do you think? Are you excited? Yeah, I mean, who wouldn't want who wouldn't want this? Uh, Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman up against Superboy Prime, Anti-Monitor, and Darkseid? I mean, that's that's um that's some big names uh yeah that's gonna be that's it's gonna be one uh one for the ages and everybody involved with these has so much fun there's a certain enthusiasm that comes out on the pages uh and i think that that's going to continue with this and i think fans are going to eat it up so yeah and i and uh i'm interested to see what three crises that they are talking about so so we'll see yeah but i'm 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 excited for it steve oh so excited and then kelly i'm really jealous of you because i know you're rereading uh, or experiencing for the first time i should say the original metal but you can actually binge it and have it all in one go uh, i read that thing monthly and it was torture and now i'm going through <laughs> the same thing with death metal and by the time that finishes you'll probably have all of that to jump into as well so you are clever you're too clever you're amazingly clever um, I, I <laughs> unbelievable how are you enjoying it so far i it, it's probably the most fun thing i've ever read it's... i think i <laughs> i think everyone who's sat next to me while i'm reading this thing is irritated as as can't curse on this <laughs> but because i'm constantly like look at this do you see this this is crazy <laughs> it's 
Ray and Brad. Oh, man. These pages, these clear and obvious allusions in this art that you're looking at the original crisis with the anti-monitor mm-hmm. uh, and the, obviously the fact that superboy prime there that's clearly um, infinite, crisis, infinite right? crisis yeah i mean so the only other one i could think of would be final crisis if they involve yeah, all those are the three big ones three, holy cow plus the whole dark multiverse plus the batman who laughs and what he's become dude i didn't think anything could out crazy or out um be more cosmic than the original dark knight's metal but death metal is absolutely killing it um take all my money take my clothes take my food take my wardrobes take my furniture give me more metal please kelly wow i i mean one i want to know what sort of headspace as a creative team you have to be in to come up with uh, basically all of metal because every single thing from what right. I'm reading right now to just what I've seen coming out from death metal looks incredible and it has like this bizarre mix of of metal music feeling plot lines with a, a kind of like 80s super jacked up character design like it's everything about this is just beautiful and it flows so perfectly into the mythology of dc that's the other thing i I think a lot of bigger events where it's something kind of outrageous i sort of take it with a grain of salt and i'm like okay well this will be fun to read but it won't feel important in a sense but what i've noticed with metal is that they've really really built in this strong uh this strong homage to the content they're working with and from what i'm seeing for trinity crisis it looks like it's doing that same exact thing like you guys are saying you can see the other crisis events in the artwork and even there there was one um i think it was a cover i scrolled past in that preview that looks like I, my first thought was like huh that kind of looks like the 90s to me like late 80s yeah, 90s very totally. it's right <laughs> like they, they've done this so well I I don't know what it would take to be I, you have to be so mentally just free and brilliant to come up with that because I I mean I don't know the metal is one of the best things I think to happen to DC Comics in a long time um, yeah I am stoked absolutely stoked to see the rest of this and you're you're right Steve my binge reading has been really really fun and so I jealous. Just keep ordering more and more. Like it's, I can go, and that's. I tend to end up there with a lot of books because even reading, um, well, reading it actually, and with catching up with Rebirth, Wonder Woman, with catching up with, um, what was it, the original Lenween Swamp thing, and all that. It's I can just go back and read it and do it all at once. <laughs> it's actually it's a pretty great position to be in. I know I lament not being on top of you know having things right when they come out, but. It's worked out for me. So our next bit of news, also fun, good. I I, I have no words for this. Batman, the Joker Warzone number one is being teased as a, as a September special. And it's a precursor to the John Ridley Batman title that's coming out with who we're assuming is Luke Fox as the new Batman. Brad, what did you think? Yeah, I am so excited for this series. Uh, you know, that's... It's going to be one of those comics that I read 
as I'm in line to buy it because I can't wait to get out of the store to see what's going on. Um, so the fact that we're getting a little precursor is is great, and I'm really excited about that. But not only that, the we're going to get more stories with Clown Hunter and things like that, kind of like establishing the new status quo post-Joker War. So uh, I'm kind of looking forward to all these stories because I think they're all going to uh, paint an interesting picture of what's going to be coming ahead in the next year or so you know in the batman comics so yeah I, i'm very excited for this uh steve oh absolutely what did i say i was excited about for batwoman season two more luke fox if we get this brilliant new character well new he's been around for close to two decades now but that's still new compared to someone who's been around for eight decades like bruce wayne if we get this character finally getting his chance in the sun i was gutted when they cancelled Batwing's title and so so happy when he re- came back in uh, James Tynan's run on Detective Comics but then since Tynan moved on and other writers have taken over Detective Luke Fox has vanished again so to see him in that costume and with well we've already said that we're getting a, a new Batman series from one of the greatest screenwriters of all, the guy who gave us 12 Years a Slave, and we're going to possibly get Luke Fox as as a new Batman. Dude, what kind of Batman fan would I be if I wasn't excited? Some great new stories told in a brand new way. Oh, brilliant. Metal's one thing, but as a Batman fan, this is something else completely. Tie this in with the amazing excellence that's three Jokers. Batman's future looks very bright indeed. What about you, Kelly? What do you make of all this? I am very excited for this. Um, I And I totally agree that seeing more Luke Fox is up there on my list of priorities. And I think we did talk about recently that we assumed he was going to be the new Batman, but we weren't sure yet. This looks pretty certain. Um, we yeah, are geniuses. I, we predict the future. It's the hive mind. It's the power of it. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I, I think one of the things that's really dawning on me with the titles that are doing well right now, and even in, this goes back to Dark Knight's Metal, Batman is such a solid character, and Gotham is such a well-developed universe that you can literally tell any kind of story with a Batman center. And it doesn't even necessarily have to be about Batman in the sense that we would think it is. And I don't think we've seen that with a lot of other superheroes, even, um, you know, even Superman and Wonder Woman don't necessarily have the variety of titles that can just be built out of their specific universe, you know, whether it be Metropolis or Themyscira, there's a lot but it doesn't have the kind of branding I think that Batman does. Um, yeah, this this looks absolutely wonderful. And again, Luke Fox, love him, want to see more of him. And I believe what other characters did they say were going to be in here? I think um, what was it Cassandra Kane? I could definitely see more of. I I mean, overall, this just looks like a really, really fun book. So I am am there. Have you noticed that Cassandra's in a Batgirl costume? She's not as orphan like she's in Batman and the Outsiders. Did you spot that? I did not. Oh. All right. So that's that's another notch on the excited belt. That's like I was. What did I say? Very excited or really excited. Now it's super excited. And then like the next notch up is 
mega excited. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm just, I'm very ready for this book. Will I get it on time or end up binge reading it later? Stay tuned to find out. But in either case, I am ready. So our next comic story, Wonder Woman of History, um, it's a book that's going to chronicle various historical figures, or I thought historical figures, actually, though, reading this book, it's much more recent female figures. Uh, we have Beyonce, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, AOC. There, there's a lot going on in this book. Brad, what did you think? You, yes, there is a lot going on. And you're so right about how it's more modern than we were expecting. And I think that that's a great thing. Uh, just the very voice, like the very people here, Emma Gonzalez, uh, Tig Notaro, which I think will be a uh, fascinating story in, in graphic novel format. There's just so, so much here. And not only that, but the creative teams are great. This is, yeah, this is, this is going to be uh, a book that's going to be an important book. I almost feel like this should be given to school libraries uh, for people to check out because this is going to have a lot of information and you're going to learn a lot from reading this and that what makes me excited about it is what what i'm going to learn and how i'm going to better know these people that are being profiled so yeah i'm, I'm pretty excited for this one steve oh absolutely this is important this is valuable this is necessary um i can't believe it's taken this long but what they're doing with it like you said brad the names the histories. I mean, if anyone deserves the title of Wonder Woman, it, it's the women that are being highlighted here. This is fantastic. This is absolutely brilliant. Um, just like the, the the women's panel that we got at Fando, it was brilliant too. But this is going to be a comic, like you said, that we should give to children as something to read, something that's should be part of a curriculum, something that is going to teach about how women can be wonder women not just by fighting baddies and having superpowers but just by being exemplary role models and, and wonderful human beings which every single one of these women is and has been so this is great this is the kind of thing that gives me hope this is the kind of thing that makes me proud to be a super comics fan and i'm going to buy multiple copies of this um leave it to give to nieces and nephews and friends who've got kids to place in their school libraries because this is absolutely brilliant i could not be happier kelly as a member of the wiser more powerful um fairer sex you must be overjoyed at this news right i am i absolutely am um Way back whenever we first saw the, uh, the, or not the preview, but the advertisement for this book, I was thrilled. And this is a really great list because I think to an extent, when you buy a book about, you know, women's history or you, you tend to see the same names pop up over and over. And at least I know when I was in school, it tended to be the same exact several figures, you know, it, uh, Susan B. Anthony and Elizabeth Cady Stanton and and Harriet Tubman were like the, you know, it's and it, I, I like the fact that this book is drawing on more current figures because to an extent you can see yourself as a hero if you're looking back at historical figures that maybe gave you a little bit of a, 
of inspiration as a kid, but it's hard to picture, you know, you're looking at a Civil War nurse and it's hard to kind of be like, okay, so there's no huge Civil War being fought directly in my country right now. But I, you know, it's, it grounds it a little bit more if you can look at what somebody's done in recent years or in recent time. Um, and never mind the fact that this is just an amazing idea to promote sort of self-confidence and a, a better understanding of different female different female figures and what they've done in society, especially recently. Um, I guess, see, that's my excitement, but then there's sort of a twofold thing here where I'm partially worried, um, you know, especially seeing some pop culture and political figures on, on this list. You know, they say don't meet your heroes and, and we just don't necessarily see the full picture of people while you know, I mean, while they're still alive, but even after they've passed. Um, so there, there's a little bit of me that gets anxious thinking, you know, we just don't necessarily have the full story of some of these women. Uh, and just in general, you know, to, to make a superhero out of somebody who is still early on in their career, like, you know, AOC or Beyonce are both re relatively early on in, in their lives to an extent. So yeah, that does make me a little bit nervous. I just, I, I wouldn't want something to happen that would then kind of cloud the whole book. But I don't know. What Did you guys have that fear at all? Uh, <laughs> hmm. I mean, uh, I, I suppose, you know, uh, but I kind of, I, I kind of see it in terms of what's going on in the world. And like Steve, you were saying how important it is. And I think that this is a moment we need a book like this. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm more concerned with this moment right now and getting this into people's hands with what it means at the moment than what it's going to mean five, six years from now. So I would say that that is a worry, but I, I, uh, uh, I, I just think this book needs to be out there. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Well, I mean, with any luck, I don't know. I'm I'm being a pessimist here. I let myself get into a pessimistic headspace because I'm excited about the book. But then, you know, there's this little part of me that's like, well, it, you know, 2020 has been a killer year. <laughs> you just never know what you should be excited about. But yeah, I, I am excited. I just I definitely wasn't expecting this list of names. So I think I'm still partially absorbing that. But either way. It is really, really great for kids, especially young kids, to be able to see that in superheroes and for DC to be doing something that adds to a, a bigger societal discourse um, and one that might be a little bit more accessible to kids than some of the other methods. So, it, yeah, absolutely. And, and, this is and, the silver lining in the horrible gray cloud that was 2020, I think. Yeah. <laughs> I'm and, having trouble seeing the linings. They all look gray. <laughs> I would say one concern I have, and I think that we can all agree on this, is that it is going to bring some ugly trolls out of the world. Oh, yes. So much. And it's that I would just say, don't read the – they say, you know, never read the comment section. Definitely, with any reviews or whatever of this book, don't. Do not read the comments. This is just going to bring out the worst in 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 trolls. So just be ready for that. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, uh, luckily, I think everyone at this point has to have gotten used to avoiding the, the comments on some things, because I, I 
purposefully scroll past comments on everything I look at for the most part, because it's, it, you know, there's, there's always somebody who hates what you're doing and thinks it's the worst mm -hmm. thing in the world. So either way, we, we support this book. We like that it's coming out. Don't listen to the trolls. And, and, and don't I, listen to <laughs> I just want to say that I hope Trump is not in office when this comes out because it's coming Ooh, out in December. Yes. So I hope he's on wow. his now he'll be in office, but on his way out. And I hope <laughs> that this book enrages him so much that he actually <laughs> tweets about it. That's what I want this book to do. Yeah. <laughs> Print it on the back cover. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Well, we'll we'll see. This this is a gonna this is gonna be a very Hence fall, but hopefully a happier winter. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Oh, amen. <laughs> uh, all right. So moving on into something quite a bit cuter. Uh, DC released Dear Justice League, I believe, a year or so ago, um, which was a collection of kids asking questions to different members of the Justice League. So now they are asking supervillains their questions with Dear Supervillains. What do you think, Brad? Uh, Dear Justice League was so much fun as a kid's book. Um, it was, yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed it. And, uh, <laughs> you know, looking at the art, I can't wait to see what the whole Gorilla Grodd bring, what he's smelling and, and all that. I'm, I'm anxious to kind of see what, <laughs> what that's all about. Um, but, yeah, I think this book is going to be uh, hilarious and, and fun. So, yeah, yeah, this should be this should be a good one. Steve? Oh, yeah. The Justice League was fantastic. Um, I, I know it was a kid's book, but it was so entertaining, so cute, so informative. And some of the questions were just outright genius because kids don't have that filter. Kids will ask those questions. And it was one of the surprise books of last year for me. I thoroughly enjoyed it. And now children asking the villains questions uh, i mean just the fact of the question uh catwoman why does batman always defeat you <laughs> i'm thinking okay don't go in easy there kid that's just brilliant um, um yep this is gonna be on my must buy list i want this book i need this book i want to read this book because the first one was so good kelly what did you think oh absolutely i i kids ask the best questions. I mean, they're often the most embarrassing and poorly timed questions, but they're the important questions, which, yeah, if, if I was a little kid meeting Catwoman, I would be like, so why do you lose? Is it, I mean, <laughs> it's, I, I love that this has that sort of um, kids say the darndest things feel, but with a DC twist. And I, I desperately wish that I had been a young child when this came out, because I would have had so many great questions. <laughs> this is just it's a fun series. It's really cute. And the artwork is adorable. I, yeah, I, I will most likely end up reading this as well. And if not, I have a nephew who will, I, I mean, I don't know how babies work. Give or take a couple of years, he'll be reading. So <laughs> I can, I can float this over to him at some point too, but this does look really nice. And so that wraps up our comic book news. And now we have some other news stories, starting with DC Fandom Part 2. Uh, we got an awesome trailer for DC Fandom Part 2, as well as some more information about the panels we're going to be seeing. 
Um, initially, everything was going to happen in one big 24-hour block, but they split it up. We were skeptical. Our skepticism was a little bit muted by the actual DC fandom part one. Um, Brad, are you excited for for part two? What's what's going to be your schedule? Oh, you know, I do not know yet. I, I I'm horrible about making up schedules like that when it comes to cons or anything like this. I kind of just I have like a tentative schedule in my mind and then I just kind of wing it. Now, granted, we're probably going to do some live streaming and going to have to come out with a more concrete schedule by then. But um, yeah, I think I'm going to have to do that this week. But this it looks it looks fun uh, and it looks like it's going to be a little more interactive with fans and fan participation. So that should be that should be interesting. So. Yeah, yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to it. And one thing that I loved about the first fandom is that it, you could ingest it all in one sitting. It would be a very long sitting, but you could still be there and experience all of it. And this looks like it's going to be a little different, so you're going to have to pick and choose. So that that complicates things, but I think I'm going to be able to come up with a pretty fun schedule. So, yeah, I can't wait. Uh, Steve? Oh, yeah, fandom was brilliant, wasn't it? And honestly, thank goodness for you guys. Thank goodness for the team at DC Comics News and Dark Knight News that we could cover so much of it. And Joshua, our our editor-in-chief at DC Comics News, the amount of work he's put into live streaming all that stuff. Dude, um, you're a hero. Seriously, amazing. Um, Because this is scheduled on LA time which means it started at 6 p.m. my time. So a lot of the stuff I really wanted to see was happening at stupid o'clock in the morning on Sunday. But, hey, it was worth it. The news we got, the trailers we got, the the snippets of information, the previews, and we've got another whole day and a bit of it coming up in, in just a couple of weeks' time. I mean, this is amazing. We were all mourning the death of the Comic-Con. But this could be the way forward. Virtual cons, I didn't know they'd work. But if they're all of the same kind of quality as DC Fandom, then again, the future is so damn bright. Kelly, what do you make of it? I adored DC Fandom. That was such a fun day. And I mean, again, this is why we shouldn't listen to Negative Kelly, because I went into it thinking, how in the world are they going to do such short panels? And everything just it it kept me engaged all day there wasn't there wasn't a moment where I was like yeah I'm bored or I'm not interested or that wasn't enough information every single panel brought something to the table so I'm really excited for part two um and I know Josh was saying a lot of the panels that he was excited to see got pushed back to the 12th so if anything we might actually have even more fun I mean we'll see but yeah it's this was a really great online convention I wasn't convinced with San Diego Comic-Con, Justice Con I did enjoy, but it it wasn't a super interactive convention, although it was was a very small run convention, so that makes a lot of sense. But uh, I was disappointed with San Diego, I think. I didn't really know how to find the things I was looking for. I kept ending up watching something that was scheduled for one time, but only a certain thing was showing. It just, I, I don't know if I was not understanding it, but I had no issues with DC fandom at all. It was very easy to find the content. It was easy to watch. It was fun to watch. 
Um, and actually that goes right into our next story because DC or Warner Brothers is planning a bigger future for DC fandom um, and, and their future for online conventions. And it seems like that was due to a bump in viewership for their shows on HBO Max after, after fandom aired. Um, Brad, what do you think? Uh, you know, one thing that really bothered me about this is that they brought in the word monetize and that seems a little scary. Um, how are they going to monetize it? What does that mean? Um, you know, it, it, it makes me weary of the fact that DC has corporate overlords that have no idea really of what it means to exist in that that fandom space so all they see is dollar signs oh we have this convention and now people are starting to watch the shows more so let's charge people to come into the convention look at that batman trailers how many views it got we could have charged people to see it you know i that that's that kind of freaks me out a little bit um and it just kind of just makes me think that in some ways, AT&T has no idea what they're doing. So we'll see. We'll see. But I want more fandom. Uh, I, mean, I think it was an amazing event. And of all these virtual events that have happened, all these virtual cons, this felt the most like a con to me. And I loved it. Um, it, it felt like it was more of a community, whereas San Diego felt yeah. like it was screaming into a void. Uh, whoever's watching, watch him. This was like really engaging with fans, and it, and it felt like uh, it, it just it felt like a convention and like a community, um, and that's great. And if they do it again, and, and they, sh- you know, I hope it maintains that. So, Steve. Yeah, absolutely. I agree that Fandom was the best um, virtual con I've experienced so far better than both Justice Connor and uh, the San Diego con and but again I have to echo you completely and this is the hive mind at work once more that whole thing of ka-ching ka-ching let's make some money um, how's that helping if you're getting more viewers, you're getting more revenue through advertising, you're winning anyway, you're making more money, uh, and now you want to charge fans too. I mean, I understand you've lost some revenue from conventions physically, but come on, you've seen a massive difference and a massive plus in viewership straight away. If you charge people, they're less likely to go to the on virtual con uh, less likely to watch the shows that they were inspired by by going to the virtual con and therefore you might make a few bucks on tickets but i don't think you're going to make as much uh, as you would by having it free and getting hundreds more people interested in taking part that's just my opinion but that's probably why, probably why i don't run my own business but, but i think um, that's a good point yeah um so I just think that it, it's put us off, hasn't it? All three of us. As soon as you read that, you think, yeah. oh, seriously? Uh, you did it perfectly. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. And you've got results. Um, it just seems like evil capitalism at its best. Damn you, Trump. Roll on the wind. <laughs> um, Kelly, what did you make of it? I, I agree with you guys completely. Um, and it's like you said, if it's not broke, don't fix it. That was by far the most fun 
digital convention we had this summer. That was perfectly done. Um, and yeah, as far as AT&T not really knowing what they're doing with DC, um, I think actually the week before, or maybe even the day before Fandom, but right before Fandom, um, we had a discussion on the podcast that about whether or not AT&T is still going to be producing comic books. With all the layoffs at DC, do they really care about DC? Do they know what they're doing? Do they care about the fans? And it's interesting to me that their response to fandom doing well and to all of these viewerships going up is like, oh, great, people are interested. We're going to find a way to make some money. <laughs> like, that's... that's I, I just, death of it. Yeah, I... And especially I think the fun part of having an online convention is that it is something that just anyone can be a part of. And you can, like we did here at the podcast, we can we can live stream or we can have friends watch with us or have family members watch with, with us or see something really cool. And when you go on the Internet, everybody has seen it and everybody's excited about it. That's sort of what adds to that feeling of community. Um, so I think if they were to start charging for this kind of thing. I, I know personally a lot of people that ended up watching it just because they had nothing else to do and walked away really excited definitely wouldn't yeah. pay for it. And and even we're comic book people and do any of us really feel compelled to pay for an online convention when you don't necessarily mm -hmm. know what you're going to get? Nope. Uh, yeah, I, I just, I think they're seeing the end, the end game and not seeing what it takes to get there, which is make it accessible, make a community and listen to fans. At, at that point, it shouldn't be, oh, people were interested. Let's make money off of them. It should be, OK, people were interested. What are what were they interested in? What can we do to make that a, a bigger a, a bigger draw? You know, and, and if it's something as simple as their HBO Max viewership went up then renew Harley Quinn. I, I hate to come back to it, but I'm concerned. There you <laughs> go. <Yeah. laughs> Actually, I and, don't hate to come back to it. Yeah. And, and really, I promise you that there are people out there who have not read a DC comic in years know what Absolutely. fandom is because it yeah. had such an, a, a reach out beyond um, that little, our little insular world. I mean, you know, that when that Batman trailer hit, it hit hard and you, it was a lot of, oh, fandom, fandom, fandom. It wasn't just, Hey, the Batman trailer. There was a lot of talk about fandom. If they yeah. try to just monetize this, this is your, you're shooting yourself in the foot in the long run. Yeah. That's I look, they, they've made the perfect dish do not overcook it that is yeah. that is our point that's <laughs> what mm -hmm. we're getting at if anyone's listening out there uh, who is attached to AT&T or attached to the corporate side of DC for the love of God don't ruin this you're doing so well <laughs> and going AT&T absolute total twits as we would say <laughs> See, now, if they do a good job, maybe Steve will take that back, but we'll see. Absolutely I, I tremendous titans. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to have to get, it'll be a better title if they do well, and if they do poorly, we'll find some more creative names to call them, essentially. So, your there movie. You <laughs> so, holding right into this, DC Fandom is going to remake the 1940s Superman radio show. 
and we're going to have some fun celebrity voice actors. Brad, what do you think? Are you excited? Yeah, this this list is pretty pretty impressive about who they got to take part in this. So, uh, you know, yeah, I, I, I think this will be kind of cool. And it's a good cause. The Creative Coalition and uh, Right to Bear Arts is is a good cause, you know, trying to to, you know, advocate for uh, the community and the entertainment industry so yeah but the names that are involved that jason alexander again our our, our good friend Sai from harley quinn uh daniel day kim uh terry cruz he, who seems to be everywhere this year this these days same way with uh, giancarlo esposito he's everywhere these days so it's you know so many richard kind i mean there's so many good names on this so yeah this should be tony shalhoub i'm just looking at these names like wow yeah this is this is an impressive list so this should be pretty good uh, Steve, what a list of people! Absolutely, but plus the fact—I mean, you all know—I'm um, a huge fan of audio dramas, have been for decades, and that old Superman show is is one of the ones that that got me started because it was syndicated over here in the 60s and 70s in the UK on radio, and I got the Star Wars radio shows, I got the uh, Nightfall and Superman Doomsday radio shows, Spider-Man and the Fantastic Four. We've all listened to and completely fallen in love with the incredible Sandman audio drama. And now we're getting the original, one of the ones that started it all being remade with a list of talent, like you said, Brad, that's mind-blowing. I mean, this is awesome. This is making me jump up and down with joy. I mean, I'm loving this. The one brilliant thing about audio dramas is that all the special effects all the explosions and mind-blowing awesomeness the characters flying through the sky is what we see in our imaginations so that's a special effects budget that's completely unlimited i cannot wait this is right up my street in fact it's built a condo with a swimming pool palm trees and unlimited food and drinks on my street this news has um i can't wait love it kelly are you half as excited as this happy old fella i i don't know if i could possibly be as excited as, as you are steve but i am really very excited for this um and i i've heard so much about the superman radio show from the 40s just from watching old comic book documentaries and and hearing clips of it so the fact that it's coming back and it's doing it with an all-star cast amazing and again it this just shows that dc fandom can do some really great stuff if they keep on the right track uh terry cruz i think was the name that jumped out at me the most because i am a huge terry cruz fan uh this everything about this just looks and looks and will sound wonderful and and like you were saying the the audio drama not just the budget but the entire purpose of audio dramas to sort of make you engage with your imagination and it does the opposite of comics in one sense where you're not seeing it visually but you can see it and especially for diehard fans I mean you you can picture everything that's happening so well in your mind and it's free they don't have to pay anybody to do anything all that that extra no CGI nothing it's all just what's in your head and if anything I could kind of use that break because I think to a point I spend so much time watching TV and watching movies lately that I'm not really stretching my brain as much as I used to. Um, and 
it's really only on the occasional when I actually have to go into my office at work for something that I even listen to, uh, you know, to to Spotify or to any old kind of audio that I would have listened to. Um, this will definitely get me back into it. Uh, it's an amazing cast. It's a really fun project. And I'm excited to see how timely it is at this point, too. Um, DC's been, been kind of hitting the nail on the head with releasing things that are timely, that feel right with what's going on in the world and going on in, in the country right now. Um, so I think this show will really resonate in ways that maybe we don't expect yet. So moving right into our next bit of news, Batman Day for 2020 has been set for September 19th, um, and there's going to be digital events for fans to interact with. Brad, what do you think? Uh, three takeaways for me on this story, two that I loved and one that I did not. Um, I, I love how DC is kind of integrating all their kind of digital online properties with like the online games to help include things in, in, as part of Batman Day. I think that's really smart. And, and, and they just shown some really good intelligence on how to synergize all that. And I really like how they're including fans from all over the world doing things in Mexico and Brazil, France, Italy, all these places, Japan. Uh, I, I think that that's, that's really, uh, that's really cool for, you know, fans around the world. And they had mentioned that they had want to try to get a more um, global approach to DC. And I think that that's one way to really help with that. The one thing that kind of sh sends shivers down my spine, though, is that there is going to be some exciting news about the DC digital subscription service, DC Universe. And that sounds like it could be something really bad that they're trying to make look good, um, just because I have such fear about the future of the DC Universe. So that kind of that kind of gives me a little bit of pause. So we'll see. I hope it's good news. You know, I hope it's not just bad news wrapped to look as good news. Uh, Steve, what do you think? Yeah, uh, the same kind of thing struck me. Um, exciting. They're, they're really putting a positive spin on something. But the way things have been winding down with that service has, has been anything but positive. But again, uh, at least you guys got it. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. At least you guys got the DC Universe. <laughs> yeah. Um, but again, I'm going to try and be as glass as half full as possible because I don't know if you guys noticed or not, but, um, I kind of like Batman <laughs> and this is, you know, for me, this is Halloween, Christmas and my birthday rolled into one. It's friggin' Batman day. Uh, as soon as I see stuff like free digital comics, um, that is the kind of thing I'll get all my nieces and nephews, the kids of friends, onto that ASAP. And all the other stuff as well. The international content, like you said, Brad, is beautiful. Um, it's Batman Day. I cannot be anything but happy about that. And the fact that I don't even drive, but I want to get in a friend's car and listen to Kevin Conroy tell me which turn to take. That's the kind of thing that excites my aged, bat-crazy mind. Um, am I bonkers? Am I bats? You bet your butt I am. Kelly, what did you make of all this nonsense? Well, then I'm bats too, because I, if, if God willing, I, I almost want to take a trip to go see my parents or something when that, that 
uh, right? having voice app is available. Like I, it's not enough for me to drive up the street to the grocery store. Like I need to take a two hour trip and have Batman narrate it for me. I, cause I, I am fully one of those people who gets irritated with their GPS and, and yells back at it. And if it was Batman, I, I will be the most humble driver that ever happened, that, that ever lived. That would be me. I, everything about this event does sound really fun. Uh, solve a mystery with Batman. And I, I mean, I'm not a big crafty person anymore. I just don't have the time or the means, but I kind of want to make my own bat signal. And I'm kind of hoping it's the kind of bat signal that I can shine out of one of the windows in my house and it'll like actually show in the sky. I feel like that's not going to be the case, but <laughs> I would absolutely love that. Um, yeah, I love Batman Day, and I do also worry about that kind of tightly, quickly wrapped in little note about their digital service, because it's uh, DC Universe has definitely started to look a little bare lately. Um, I don't know. I don't know what its future holds. We've been lamenting about this on the show for a while, uh, and poor Steve, you haven't even had access to it yet, which just seems unfair because i if if and if there was any big enough fan in the world to deserve access to dc universe it'd have been steve um thank you (laughs) i mean it's it's just it was a great app and i got so into it in the beginning of the lockdown i was well because i was trying to earn points to get pins that never came but i i was messaging in the the message sections and the comment boards and I was reading the books and I was watching the shows I was so into it and then once the HBO Max uh, takeover started happening I was kind of like well I'm gonna try to get unattached because clearly this is going downhill so I, I you know what I'm gonna focus on the positive Batman Day is happening and there is a lot going on what this means for DC Universe we will find out so our last bit of news, McFarlane Toys has announced a platinum edition um, for some of their other figures. And these figures are a platinum colored, I suppose you could say. I'm seeing more copper, but okay. Uh, full version of the previous action figures. Brad, what do you think? Uh, this, you know, I, I am a huge fan of the Arkham games, as I've talked about uh, many times, and I liked it. This is an Arkham Asylum Joker, and uh, the sculpting is just amazing. Uh, but it seems like I'm a little cynical because it seems like it's just a way to sell like figures because it's, and I, I'm not sure how it works. It's limited to 3,000 produced worldwide, and it will be a random pack, so it's going to take some hunting. So I don't know if it's like maybe you'll get it in some kind of pack or or you know how that's going to work, but. Uh, as the figure itself looks looks uh, looks incredible, as McFarlane toys are. I mean, the detail on these is just just incredible. Uh, Steve. Yeah, you said it. McFarlane toys are the kind of things I only dreamed about as a child. I had the old Mego figures, and literally a couple of months of posing those guys, and their joints would wear out and sometimes snap and their clothes would would get lost or put on the wrong figures especially with my cousins Um, but these McFarlane toys are just beautiful they're brilliantly made brilliantly sculpted the likeness to the game's character is 
phenomenal. But again, I agree with you, Brad. It does seem like another way of just cashing in. And only serious collectors will be able to A, afford this and B, track the thing down. But if it's a random thing, you could just pick it up completely by accident, like a Willy Wonka golden ticket. Then that's beyond cool. That's awesome. And as a collector, sometimes hunting down these rare gems is half the fun. So, yeah, it's a bit of a weird one. In terms of the quality, absolutely, it's gorgeous. In terms of the uh, evil capitalism at work again, what are you going to do? Kelly, what do you make of it? Oddly enough, I'm outside of the hive mind on this one because I didn't like the figure that much. It does. I The sculpt is very nice. I just don't. Maybe it's the way these pictures look, but the face without a difference in color when it's all sort of that one color, I think it kind of takes something away from the expression. Um, I don't know. I mean, I relatively recently got into collecting action figures and I, I don't know if this will be on my list. I mean, one, like you guys were saying, the, the price itself and the fact that there's going to be a limited number of these. Um, yeah, it's, I like it. I like it, but I don't love it. Not enough to chase it. Exactly. Yeah, that's the thing. So that has been it for episode 85 of the DC Comics News Podcast. I have been your host, Kelly Gaines, here with the wonderful Brad Filicky and the marvelous Steve J. Ray. If you like the show and you want to like, comment, su- subscribe, we'd love to hear from you guys. DC Comics News Podcast and all of DC Comics News' other great podcasts can be found on Stitcher, Spotify, Apple, and Google Play. And you can follow DC Comics News on Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, YouTube, at dccomicsnews.com. And Brad, Steve, if they wanted to find you, where could the wonderful people find your amazing ideas? Brad? Uh, you can find me writing news reviews at dccomicsnews.com. You can find me on the Mad Love uh, Harley Quinn podcast on the DC Comics News Podcast Network. And you can follow me on Twitter at FlickyB1. Steve? Um, usually found on this wonderful show with these wonderful peoples most weeks and it is great to be back and you can also hear my dulcet tones along with those of my son or the occasional guest conspirator on our own show on this network I am the night which looks back at every episode of the legendary wonderful Batman the Animated Series. To see my written work, just type Steve J. Ray into your search engine of choice for links to all my reviews, news and interviews on both DC Comics News and Dark Knight News. If you're interested in more than just comics, type in Fantastic Universes for my own website, which is anything fan related. But I also want to talk to each and every one of you. Message me on Twitter at LSteveO, E-L underscore S-T- E-E-V-O. Kelly, where can the universe, the multiverse, and the dark, dark worlds of the Batman Who Laughs find you? All of the verses can find me doing opinion and editorial pieces for DC Comics News. You can also find me on our other podcast, Mad Love the Harley Quinn Cast. And you can find me on Twitter at KelGainsWright if, if you have any ideas you would like to share with me. So that wraps up episode 85 of the DC Comics News Podcast. And there is one more thing we would like to leave you guys with. And that is a reminder to 
read more comics. Have a great night, everybody. <laughs>